Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, welcome to these four walls. And Annie, welcome back. Hello. Thank you for abandoning me. I didn't abandon you. Yeah, Annie's been away and she's just got off a plane and come straight to the office, which to be fair is quite commendable. How was your trip? It was good. My holiday was great. I feel really good. I do kind of know what continent I'm on right now. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Well, this is our fourth episode, which is quite monumental. Yeah, episode four of These Four Walls. Mm-hmm. That's quite good. Very, very special, yeah. Okay, so fill me in. What's been happening and what's coming up this episode? Okay, well, I spoke to singer and writer B.B. Borelli. B.B. Borelli, okay, cool. Who's that? So she's this singer and she's really cool. She's only 21 and she's already written for like Rihanna, wow. Kanye, Pharrell. She wrote Bitch Better Have My Money and she's now working on her own stuff. So she's very cool. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal then. 21. Wow, quite, yeah. And then we're going to send you off to the fashion cupboard to chat to our stylist Joe and our ASOS insider Debbie and get their low down. And then also while you were away, Georgia Murray came in and she schooled me on the state of clubbing. So we were talking about why clubs are closing and what it means for our generation. Okay, so did she basically tell you what clubs are cool to go to because you don't go out anymore? Yeah. yeah. She did. Yeah, That's basically what say. happened. Okay, yeah. cool. Looking forward to it. So this all sounds great, but don't forget the love. What love life question are we asking people in the office this week? Well, we're asking ASOSers to tell us their best dating stories. So from the good to the ugly. Okay, can't wait. Annie? Yes? It's time for you to go to the fashion cupboard now. Okay. Hi, Joe. Hi, Deb. Hi, Hi Annie. Annie. How are you? We're good. good. Okay, so for people who have already listened to some of our episodes, you will already know who Joe and Debbie are. But for those who don't, do you want to introduce yourselves? Yes, I am Joe. I'm a women's wear stylist here at ASOS. And I'm Debbie. I work on the MAG, and I'm also an ASOS insider. Okay, great. And so we're back in the fashion cupboard and I want to get all your fashion tips again. But firstly, today, Debbie, can we just talk through your outfit? Because (laughs) you wear amazing outfits, but today I need you to speak about what you're wearing. Okay, I'm wearing a men's shirt, Annie. A men's shirt? Yep. Okay, yeah, but this doesn't look like a men's shirt, Deb. It's looking really great. I need you to describe it to me. Because it's the power of DIY, honey. Okay. (laughs) Basically, it's an oversized men's shirt, so it's gone extra, extra, extra large. And I've tucked in the collar and pushed it off my shoulders, so... Okay, yeah, because yeah, it's a off. You're working the off the shoulder yep. look, but you have you actually cut it then at all? No, everything is literally tucked in and pinned into place with one safety pin. 
Um, okay, yeah. the power of a safety pin. This I'm... needs a video demonstration. <laughs> yeah, it, it really, really does. It's looking amazing. And off the shoulder is really big as well at the moment. But I just it love is. how you've done that with a men's shirt. Yeah, I got in, a bit inspired by the Bettermont show. And what, what have you done with the cuffs? So the cuffs, I've just um, unbuttoned it, the, the cuffs, and left them to hang. Because it's, so it's striped as well. Mm-hmm. So it's sort almost like a pinstripe, but in a blue. In a blue. And then you're wearing it with? Some white denim, skinnies, of course. Okay, so DIY is amazing. You're kind of the queen of DIY in the office. <laughs> so you get a lot of stuff and tailor it, don't you? I do. Well, sometimes it's just spontaneous. Like, I wake up in the morning and I just, like, cut an inch off the bottom of my jeans, frayed them up a bit. I wish, in the morning, just wake up, <laughs> cut, cut an inch off the bottom of my jeans. I do that too. Um, but DIY was quite... Joe, DIY is quite big for this season. Yes, yeah, definitely. It's all about, like, customization and individuality, personalization. Yeah, it's all about kind of making your own statement with yeah. your clothes. So yeah. like slogans on the back of jackets, for example. Yeah. But denim, I suppose, is a good way to do that. And Yeah, denim's classic. How would you describe what the best way to sort of personalise your denim jacket is for this season? So this season we went for your classic denim jacket personalisation. But to update it, rather than say, you know, we've been seeing a lot of, you know, cutting the hem off things to, and fraying them. But this season, we've customised it with patches and badges and brooches and just done more is more. Okay, so just like this jacket, this jacket is amazing. Do you want me? Do you want to talk me through this? Yes. So this is a jacket that I actually customised for a Learn How To video that is on YouTube right now. So it started life as a plain Levi's denim jacket and then I have customised it with embroidered patches like rainbows, smiley faces, slogans and then I've taken lots of brooches from last season and I've put them all over the collar. I've got some star print um, pins going down the shoulder. I've even used tie pins, you know, and even old earrings, using them as Okay, that's quite interesting that you can reuse something and rework it like an old earring and use it as a pin. Yeah, I often find like single earrings on the fashion cupboard floor and so I just stick them on something else. Just pin them to your collar? Yeah. And you're good to go? 100%. Well, that yeah, and there's a lot... You could also use a lot of lettering as well because there's quite a lot of Americana on like Marc Jacobs did a lot of that for this season so that on the back of a jacket. Yeah, definitely. And again, it comes back to the whole personalisation thing so you can have your initials... Um, Make it personal to you. Yes. Oh, hold on, hold on, wait, Lottie's ringing me. Hello, Lottie? Hey, Annie, how are you doing? I'm fine, how are you? Not bad. I've heard you're in the fashion cupboard at the moment. Yeah, I am. Are you all right? Yeah, I need a little bit of help. I'm off to a few festivals and I need some um, tips on what to wear. Okay, what festivals are you going to? I'm going to Phil Day in a few weeks and then Glastonbury in June. Okay, right, so you want to know what to wear. Right, well, I, well, I'm in the right place. Okay, let me get you some tips and I'll, then I'll let you know. Perfect. All right, okay, bye. Bye. Okay, girls, so Lottie's just called me and she's going to loads of festivals this season and she really, really wants to know what to wear. So I'd like to get your tips. So, Deb, what would you wear if you are going to festival? Mm, festival, well, 
I kind of wanted to wear a play suit, but I okay. realised there may be a bit of a complicated toilet situation. Okay, so maybe not. You don't want to complicate the toilet situation no. any further than it already is. Okay, so, so a play suit would look cute, but, but you're going to get into complications. Not practical. Not practical. Not practical. Okay, so we can't so, have a play suit. No play suit, but I've gone for like a flippy sort of 90s slip dress yeah but a really short one so it's like easy you just pull it on one piece of item good to go lift it lift and it up and just a to just a plain just a plain one no or... i found this really cute one in size a reclaimed vintage one and it's just got these dragon patches on it it's got like a okay. ditzy print as well okay great okay so but if you don't really want to wear a dress because i feel like if it's windy or if it's a bit cold you might not want to wear a dress cool. so what De- joe what would you wear so going back to Reclaim Vintage, actually, they're great for all things festival. They've done this amazing co-ord. Um, it's like a floral satin bomber, and then it's got matching like floral satin little running shorts. Okay, cute. Really cute. So you've got like a full outfit in one, love a co-ord, or you can separate it. Then you've got like, what is that, three outfits already? I like the versatility of yes. that. Okay, cool. So I'll go back to Lottie and see which one she picks. Definitely mine, Joe. Mine. No, mine. 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 Okay. Mine. All right, I'll let you know. Okay, so customising, that's what we need to be doing. Yeah, DIY. Have you ever DIY'd anything? Not for a long time. I had some... <laughs> My brother gave me his hand-me-down jeans and I tried to turn them into shorts and I kept doing it really unevenly and they were so short... But I still wore them for a good few years and I haven't attempted customisation since. It's definitely a knack to try and make your jeans into shorts without making one leg longer than the other. Yeah, it's really hard. I don't know how to do that. I actually customised a denim bag once. I bought one for me and one for my friend. You're so nice. You never buy me a denim bag. Okay, well, well, maybe I'll buy you one now. But I got these little beads and I made like a mermaid on mine. And it took me all day, but I was really impressed with it. It's adorable and quite weird. Okay, fine. Um... Oh, we know what that means. It's that part of the show where we talk about love, dating, romance and Tinder. Yes, last episode we got people's opinions on dating apps and this time it's all about the actual dates. So the best dates, worst dates, funny situations. Okay, this is going to be good. Let's press play. Um, So my worst ever date was um, we went to this kind of quite small bar where there was a cabaret singer and we sat quite close to the stage and the singer sort of befriended us and then all of her friends arrived and they befriended us and ended up kind of piggybacking on the end of our date. So we we were trying to have a quiet drink but there were about eight people sort of joining us at this table. And then halfway through her act, the singer spotted my shoes which were really, really um, shiny Dior boots and she took one of my shoes and took it onto stage and then started drinking champagne out of it. So it was really wet. So it was all just kind of total chaos. Um, but um, it didn't really matter because um, we're still together, and that was seven years ago. So first, um, first time I met my boyfriend, he um, took me onto the top of a hotel, claiming that it was the best view of London, and that I'd love it. So I stupidly followed him, and then a security guard um, caught us. And uh, tried to phone the police, but we said that we'd got lost and we're supposed to be staying in the Savoy opposite, and somehow he let us off. <laughs> um, so I planned uh, to go to a, a theatre type show at Udderbelly uh, near uh, South Bank, and I didn't really know, have much time, so I didn't know much about the theatre or play, so I went along, and um, the opening scene 
was a guy stripping off naked and uh, windmilling <laughs> the audience. <laughs> and uh, the girl thought I'd obviously planned it and uh, never spoke to me again. Uh, so I went for a coffee with someone once and about 30 minutes into it we were like sitting in a park and they then proceeded to say how they weren't into it and then explain for the next 40 minutes about how I shouldn't worry that I would find the love of my life eventually. And I was like, whoa, just calm down, it's only been 30 minutes. Uh, met this guy in a bar and the date wasn't going very well and I felt very awkward about it. So I'd gone to the toilet, came back and in that uh, moment in the toilet I'd got my um, friend to, uh, I'd arranged for my friend to give me a call. And so she gave me a call and I did this whole thing like, oh my goodness, are you okay? Yeah, I'll be there, I'll be there straight away. Um, Cancelled, obviously, the date while I was at the date um, and said, yeah, I'm really sorry, I've got to go. Um, my friend's got an emergency. And then I went out with said friend, uh, like literally straight after, and he turned up to the club and I had to try and get out of it. <laughs> I had met a guy on Tinder and I had been chatting to him for a few weeks which I feel like on Tinder is quite a long time so like the chat was there the pictures were like right so like it felt right and um, like maybe like a few days prior instead of like going for a drink he proposed like that we go for a walk in a cemetery it felt a bit heavy for a first date but I was trying to keep an open mind so I'm like fine we'll go um, and this is in January so like not prime you know cemetery like walking season um, and the day of, it's like pissing rain, of course, and I proposed, hey, maybe we should go for a drink instead, but he was quite insistent that we should go for a walk. And, like, dates in, like, cemeteries, to me, like, has some really unsavory connotations, but I'm like, you know what, well, like, we'll do it anyway. Um, so we go for a walk, it's very muddy, there's no one there, like, I don't have any boots, like, I fall several times, I'm muddy on, like, my trousers. Um, he's very enthusiastic of like talking about the history of the thing and I feel like this was probably a routine that he had done before with someone else. My sister went on a date with uh, a guy she met from Tinder and her ex-boyfriend turned up and he walked into the bar, saw her, grabbed her phone and ran down the high street with it. She tried to catch him and chase him and when she did she came back and her date was gone. <laughs> So um, so I, I met a friend of a friend um, on a date and she was like, okay, so where should we go? So we went to a nice restaurant, we had some sushi, but not meeting her first was kind of like the wrong thing to do because she turned up barefoot. So I'm walking around and I was like, <laughs> I was like, why, why are you not wearing shoes? She was some sort of bohemian chick, right? And she thought, believed in the whole like, you know, feel the feet beneath your ground, you know, and sorry, feel the ground beneath your feet and, you know, be one with earth. And, you know, I'm, like, all for, like, the whole, like, tree-hugging stuff and, like, recycling thing and, you know, loving life, but walking around London in barefoot is not the one. It starts to rain. She goes, let's get your shoes off. I was like, nope. Did not get my shoes off. She started trying to pull my shoes off from my feet. And then I was like, nah, not about this. I just walked off. Life best ever date was uh, the arcade floor at the Trocadero at Piccadilly Circus in London. Um, total surprise and it was just brilliant. Played loads of games and I won some and he won others. Spent ridiculous amount of money just putting all those coins in the slot machine. It was just fantastic. No awkward moments at all. And it is true that we are still together. Not that we celebrate our anniversaries at the Trocadero, but maybe we should.
Wow, so that's quite an insight into people's dating lives. Yeah, I think we've discovered location's important, especially if you haven't got, like, the ideal company. Yeah. So, arcade's quite a good show. Yeah, the arcade one was really good. I think it's something you need that activity, don't you? Maybe, like, I'd quite like to go fishing. Go on a fishing date. <laughs> Fishing? Yeah. No, no, that's not good. You need like a activity that's a bit competitive. So. I think fishing can probably get quite competitive. No, how are we even talking about fishing? Okay, no, I don't think you should go on a date and go fishing. But anyway, BB, I want to hear how your chat with BB went. Okay. And didn't you play a new game with her? We did play a new game. We played a new game that involved tweets. So do you want to hear it? Yeah, definitely. Hi, BB. How's it going? Chilling. I'm here with the amazing Bibi Borelli. Um, I was just being quite creepy and I noticed on the background of your phone you've got a picture of a dog. Oh, yeah. It's a really good dog. Whose dog is that? Is that yours? Juno. It's my family's dog. Oh, she's so shout cute. Out Juno. She's I know. adorable. She's like really like me. Well, she's kind of big, but she thinks she's like a puppy. Oh. I know. I miss her. Dear. <laughs> so, where, where is she based? She's in Washington, D.C. Okay. So, your fam- most of your family live in Washington? Half of my family lives Can you just tell us this, this like massive geographical story that is BB? Because you're born in Berlin, you're kind of in LA at the moment. And I was born in Berlin. I was in Berlin till I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. My mother passed at six, so I was nine. When I was nine, me and my twin brother left for the States to live with my aunt and uncle. From nine to 11, I was in Washington with my aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. And then from 11 to 16, I was in Berlin. And then at 16, I couldn't continue on with schooling in Berlin because my grades were, like, the worst grades ever. Really? So they sent me to America because I was bad. We <laughs> know it. <laughs> I wasn't that bad, okay, but, yeah, I was mischievous. And then from 16 to 19, I was in the state, uh, in Washington. And then from 19 to 21, I let me move to Los Angeles. Literally everywhere. Yeah, man. She's worldly. Yeah, man. Um, can you show us some German? My favorite German word is Flughafen. Flughafen. Where you were today. Flughafen. That's airport. I hate airports. <laughs> yeah, I can't know what should I say. What should I say? So good. Yeah, yeah. I'm really from <laughs> Berlin. <laughs> All right, so BB, if you guys aren't in the know, I mean, you've kind of, there's a lot about it this Rihanna track, Bitch Better Have My Money, that yeah. BB wrote. And you work with Usher and who else? You work with everyone, basically. Yeah, I've worked with, like, Usher, Nas, Pharrell. Kanye. Kanye. Um, She's so cool. Wayne. And now are you kind of, is it focused, because BB's also got, you've got your EP and you're working on an album at the moment, right? Yeah, I have, well, EP part two, Free mm-hmm. the Real part two. Is dropping in June, okay. and it's all new songs. Exciting. Part one was two new songs. Part two is all new songs. Um, I'm in the process of like putting my album together. I kind of just need to live and kind of, you know, find like a zen spot. Mm-hmm. Zen spot sounds so fucking lame, but like, <laughs> you know, I just need to like... Well, you can't rush it, can you? you yeah, to, I don't want to yeah. force it. I don't want to like really... Give in to pressure. So how did all these massive, like, I mean, how did you end up in the studio with Kanye? How did you write a song for Rihanna? Like, what? You know, that question is so difficult to answer yeah. because it's like, there's a lot of different factors. One of them just being, I believe in fate. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so lame, but it's true. I believe no, fate in, is cool. I yeah, believe in fate. Yeah, I just believe in <laughs> destiny. I think yeah. that 
the generic answer would be yeah, the right people and blah blah. But mm-hmm. the truth is, like, I had been I've been making music since before I could talk, and I had dedicated my entire life to it. If it wasn't, I mean, over ten thousand hours in physical labor and even more in mental labor, mm-hmm. to where you just become obsessed with your craft and once you convince yourself that anything is possible and that you're capable of anything and that you're going to you're going to get what you want things just kind of come to you it's like a force it's like this kind of energy that just exists within you that I think stands out so um I went to LA with that drive. I continued to engulf myself in my my career and in music. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who, you know, are 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 current legends, like the the top, are constantly looking for like new shit. Mm-hmm. It's just two forces. Looking for each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll find each other if they're looking for each other, you know. Um, I just knew what I wanted. I don't know. I met the right people as well. But I don't think that's hard to do in L.A. Yeah, it's the place where everyone comes to do that. Yeah, L.A. is... You know, I've had I have, I've had this love-hate relationship with, with L.A. for a long time. I think that you have to live in a place for at least three years to start to appreciate it. But L.A. really is a place where young people can go if you are focused and know what you want and make literally something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. But it's also a place where you can go and lose yourself. So I met the right people, but that's just what happens in Los Angeles. I think it was mindset and mentality and drive an and obsession yeah so wise bb yeah I'm getting, wi- I'm getting wise wise vibes off you wise, <laughs> wise. <laughs> like older than your years <laughs> um right do you want to play a little game sure let's do the damn thing okay what i've got is i've got four i've got a few tweets here i'm gonna ask you to try and guess who they're by okay <laughs> so here is number one give us your best shot ipad freezing up Maybe it's overwhelmed because it just realised a fabulous diva was touching it. Can't really blame it. Snap out of it! Do I get any hints? Um, she's also a singer. Singer? Mm-hmm. Is she young? She's not so young, no. Is she super poppin'? Ma- Madonna. She's close, kind of. I can only think of singing her songs, which is a massive giveaway. Keep trying. You're close. Madonna. Um, it's one syllable. Pink. It rhymes with... That's too obvious. It rhymes with a fruit. What the... F- I feel really mean. You've said how little sleep you've had, and I'm giving you really backwards clues. All right. The fruit that it rhymes with looks like an apple. It's not an apple. <laughs> it's a pear. It rhymes with pear. Share. Yes. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real giveaway. Share is amazing on Twitter. You should follow her. <laughs> really? She comes out with some really good ones. 
All right, should we do the next one? Yeah. I can't believe my grandmother's making me take out the garbage. I'm rich. Fuck this. I'm going home. I don't need this shit. Is this a man or a woman? This is a man. <laughs> it's quite good, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not yay. Um, is, it, is he American? Yes. Is he a rapper? Yes. Um, is he older? Mm, yeah it's kind of old yeah older it's not jay-z um it's not like it's not it's not like Nas or anything is is that the generation we're dealing with yeah slightly after that later than Nas. it's not not I'll give you a clue. There's a number in the name. 50 Cent. Yeah. Ah, that's funny as fuck. <laughs> that's a good one, isn't it? I would love to be on the fly on the wall for that conversation. His grandma being like, take out the garbage. <laughs> be like, no. All right, next one. I love arm. Is this a young? Yeah. Young boy. Like Tyler is a creator? No. No. Is he a rapper? He's not a rapper. Is he he sometimes singer? collaborates with rappers. Yeah, he's a singer. Is he English? He's American. He's massive, and everyone fancies him. A lot of people fancy him. Justin Bieber. Yes! Yep. That's an obvious. <laughs> it's a very old-school Bieber tweet. That was from 2012. It's a daily struggle for me not to buy more cats. Taylor Swift? Yes! Straight away. Everyone knows Phoebe, Taylor Swift loves well cats. Done. You smashed our game. <laughs> um, well, that's it. That's all the tweets. I think, Lit. I think you did really well. Cool. Me too. I got like one. <laughs> no, you got at least three. So, yeah. Well um, where is the best place for people to catch you to check you out? To check me out? Insta and Twitter. I talk mad. Like I go off on Twitter. Have you ever, do you follow me on Twitter? I follow you on Twitter. Are you like, wow, this bitch here, this bitch goes again? I haven't, no, I haven't noticed that. Really? No, but then I follow a lot of people on Twitter. So you haven't come yet. All right, BB, check her out on Instagram. What's the Instagram handle? BB Borelli. And my Twitter is BB Borelli underscore. If you dare. <laughs> All right, thank you for coming, BB. Peace. Enjoy the rest of your trip. Bye. Thank you. Oh, I like that Twitter game. Yeah, it's quite good, isn't it? Yeah, she got that Taylor Swift one really quickly. Yes, yeah, spot on. I don't know if if somebody read out your tweets, would they guess that it was you? Definitely not, because I'm quite shy on Twitter and I tend to just retweet. There's oh, a so lot of JME tweets, so they'd probably think it was JME. So you're just like a Twitter enigma? I'm an enigma, yeah. No one would know who it is. Nope. Okay, Annie, stuff's about to get weird. We're about to go back in time to when I spoke to George Murray. Oh, Georgia Murray, your doorbell is always music to my ears. Hello. Hello, how you doing? Yeah, all right. Annie Chin's left you today, I see. Yep, she's not here for this one. I'm really lonely, but oh. we can, well, I think we can just about handle it without yeah. her, do you think? We'll be all right. <laughs> uh, so what are you going to be talking about today then? So now that the dust has settled around the London mayoral election, uh, I kind of wanted to go back to something that Labour candidate and winner Sadiq Khan had pledged during his campaign. Oh yeah, we've been talking about this. So this is nightlife and club culture, right? And exactly, all yeah. 
Um, okay, so what exactly did he say, apart from he's going to save nightlife? Well, in an interview with Dazed, he said, I don't want young and creative Londoners abandoning our city to head to Amsterdam, to Berlin, to Prague, where clubs are supported and allowed to flourish. I want them to be able to celebrate what they love in a city they love, rather than punish them or force their activities underground or abroad. That's why, if elected London mayor, I will address these problems head on. Which is now what he has to do. Uh, so what exactly is he going to do about it? Well, he cited this principle called agent of change. Have you heard of it? Nope. So it's basically, at the moment, bars and clubs are being forced to close because they can't afford to soundproof their venues. Um, so when re- new residential developments are built next to them, obviously noise complaints yeah, I guess happen. Um, but with the agent of change principle, the cost will then fall on the housing developers rather than the club venues. Um, and it's actually now an effect that um, now that Sadiq's in charge. Oh, that's really interesting. Because I always thought it was more about the rent prices that was forcing venues to close. But I guess actually soundproofing is quite a big deal because, yeah, you must get loads of noise complaints. Exactly, yeah. So how bad has it been getting then in the last couple of years? Well, the Association of Licensed Multiple Retailers, or the ALMR, reported that in the UK um, we've lost 1,411 nightclubs <gasps> since 2005. That's insane. Yeah, so there's, I think there's only about 1,733 venues left which when you consider how big the UK is it's really not that much it is really worrying I remember when Plastic People Club in London shut down everyone was really upset because so much good dance and electronic music had come out of that club it was like almost really iconic yeah it's really really sad when that venue shut I mean one third of London small venues have shut since 2007 so it's not the only one Mm. the other thing is it's not just London it's all over the UK so the Blind Tiger in Brighton closed its doors in 2014 again thanks to some tenants complaining about noise Mm. Um, the Arches a legendary not-for-profit venue in Glasgow went into administration and that had a 40,000 strong petition to save it and it still didn't survive so in London the 24-hour tube is going ahead now. Do you think that's going to have an effect on nightlife? I mean, fingers crossed. Um, saying that, the legendary Astoria in Soho, um, which saw everyone from the Rolling Stones to David Bowie um, kind of take to the stage, that was forced to close to accommodate a new Crossrail station. So on the one hand, Crossrail is kind of detrimental. Mm. But the 24-hour tube might prove a real, to be a really great thing. Um, late licensing might come in, new venues opening in areas um, that are along the 24-hour lines. Um, mm. We'll have to see. It comes in in August. So. Yeah. so it seems like there's this kind of battle between developers and people trying to gentrify these areas and club promoters, DJs trying to run nice. And then obviously the tube and the transport is going to affect it. Are there any other factors? Well, yeah, there are things like the 696 form. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, so that comes from the police, right? And that affects a lot of grime and hip-hop nights. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's basically a risk assessment form that venues and promoters have to fill in, sort of describing what kind of music is being played at shows. Um, And it saw Just Jam at the Barbican shut down in 2014. Yeah, I remember that. I was supposed to go, yeah. Oh, no. So upsetting. Oh, yeah, I think they did it anyway, though, or did something later. Um, and also, isn't there something where now places are starting to breathalyse? Like, to get, you can't get into a club unless you've been breathalysed. Yeah, exactly. Birmingham, so Croydon weird. and Shrewsbury are some um, specific places. That, um, but basically, blanket breathalyser tests are being doled out at clubs, um, which has obviously been met with hostility. Um, and while they might have might have good intentions, um, like trying to tackle alcohol-related problems, like fighting and sexual harassment, they seem to be having the opposite effects and are basically making people feel like criminals before they even got to the cloakroom. Yeah, that would be quite a jarring experience. Doesn't seem very welcoming, does it? Exactly. 
Okay, so who is trying to fight the closures apart from Sadiq? <laughs> Sadiq, number one guy. Um, well, a grassroots nationwide movement called Nighttime Industries Association, um, they were founded last year to try and stop further closures and highlight the importance of nightlife culture. Um, supported by record labels, promoters, artists like Groove Armada, Jack Master and Carl Cox, and is partnered with Resident Advisor and Fabric. Um, their main goal is to get planning laws changed so venues aren't affected by redevelopment, and they're also lobbying local and national politicians. That sounds really great. Yeah, I also chatted to Alan Miller, who's the chairman of the NTIA and co-founder of the Old Truman Brewery, um, to see what he had to say about um, nightlife's impact on culture and fashion. So the main goals of the NTIA and for the new campaign, Nightlife Matters, is to help change the narrative about UK nightlife. You know, we can't imagine a Tiny Temper or a Wiley or an Ed Sheeran uh, without nightlife. The bars and clubs and activity, it's a platform for new talent. Try and imagine London Fashion Week without our music scene, without nightlife, where people are inspired throughout the generations in a post-war period. Fashion has been informed through the dance floor and nightlife and bars and clubs and going out. Similarly with advertising uh, and film and TV, all of those cultural activities. So we're for uh, changing the uh, presentation of nightlife, where often people talk about uh, anti-social behavior or noise and nuisance and crime and so you know obviously some things happen whenever the humans get together like at shopping centers or at sports arenas but look at all the enormous cultural benefits and look at all the financial benefits the economic benefits you know not just the 70 billion price tag look at all the hospitality and the tourism look how people fall in love and meet one another and network and actually in the Bataclan in Paris when the world's press quite rightly said, this is who we are. We go out, we dance, we drink, we eat, we smoke, we fall in love. Uh, sometimes we fall out of love, but that's what we do. And that's who we are. And it's a central part of who we are. I mean, everything he says there is so nice because I think it's stuff that you forget when we talk about nightlife. I'm slightly playing devil's advocate here, but is it all external factors like rent prices and licensing laws? Or do you think there's also just been a bit of a dip in interest in young people wanting to go out? Because recently I feel like all of my friends don't want to go out that much. We never seem to have that much money. Is it a kind of generational thing well interestingly i kind of looked into that and it hasn't had an mm. impact on nightlife before um sort of lack of money for example in the late 70s there was a huge booming booming clubbing um and there was a recession going on then so yeah. but actually i read um an article in the guardian and they sort of pointed out that as we're more connected to the rest of the world by social media than ever before going out isn't our only option for escaping yeah. our sort of Monday nine to five life. Yeah, that's true. And I guess there's so many festivals as well, like both in the UK and abroad, that you can kind of save your money, not go out every weekend and go to something like that. That's kind of more affordable and people might be more interested in that than exactly, just clubbing yeah. every Friday. Do you think there's any positives to come out of this? Well, when venues close down, people don't just tend to stop having fun mm. and going out. People just put on stuff themselves. Um, so... People are saying that we might see a surge in things like warehouse raids, DIY festivals and living room DJ sets. Jamie XX said in an interview with Dazed, with places like Plastic People closing down, I feel like something interesting has to happen now. Maybe new scenes will start popping up further out. That's just how it works. Artists move in, then investors move in. So artists are forced out and it has to start all over again. It's like the circle of life, but clubs. <laughs> I saw this really good documentary on Vice at the moment, which is all about this new illegal rave scene that's starting and the kid doing it is like in his 20s but exactly yeah. yeah people aren't going to stop partying 
Uh, also, the other thing that Sadiq said, he was banging on about like a nightmare. Wasn't yeah, he? yeah, he was. So basically, I think it's yet to be put in place, but he supported London's initiative to appoint a nighttime commissioner, which all sounds very Batman Gotham yeah, vibes. Yeah, um, that job. But. It, uh, that that person would basically act on behalf of clubs and bars um, and there are similar positions in cities like Paris, LA, uh, Detroit, Buenos Aires um, so fingers crossed that we'll see a positive change I want to be that person yeah, I'm such Shannon, a fun job. mayor of the night <laughs> okay so if we want to kind of get involved and help the cause what sorts of stuff could we do well you can sign petitions to save venues from closure and write your local MP um, but you can also follow the nighttime industry association on twitter at we are the NTIA and using the hashtag nightlife matters show your support and share your stories thanks Georgia Murray that was really interesting I am now gonna try and apply to be the nightmare do it Shan I'm sure you'll get it you can save UK nightlife (laughs) and you'll be back in two weeks that's right all right later see you then that's inspired me to go clubbing shall we plan a night out yeah let's do it before the clubs close okay let's do it so that's the end of episode four we want to say thank you to our stylist Joe, to ASOS insider Debbie. And thanks to BB Borelli, to Georgia Murray and to Alan Miller from the Nightlife Matters campaign who she spoke to. Remember to subscribe on Acast, iTunes or your favourite podcast app. And yeah, tune in next episode for more chat from these four walls. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.